FBC podcast Facebook live stream. You are with me, your host in this day, Gideon Impeni. It is such a joy and a blessing to uh, once again ponder on the Word of God, address the issues that uh, the Bride of Christ is facing and our desire to see her adorned in beauty and in, 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 in the glory of our Master and our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the soon return, even as we are about to just conclude in the books of the kings of Israel and Judah on the reforms and the revivals that took place there. Today we find ourselves, as we look at the biblical accounts of revival and reformation found in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 34 and 35, and we will look at reforms by King Josiah, who be the king of Judah, who reigned even actually from uh, as little as eight years old, uh, and and it's it's so remarkable to see that such a young man, such a little boy, if you want to call him, uh, this would be a little boy at the age of eight uh, who has not even gone through what the Jews would call ben mitzvah at the age of twelve. That you've been introduced to know as to what it means to be a man. But this would be a young man that is going to carry out all the reforms and all the revivals in the land at this particular time. So I would love, I would love us just to look at that, but also this will help us for us even to, to look at the importance of the Word of God read to us, but also uh, just to return to the definition of what sin is, because as you see here, and you're going to see later on, uh, there is a really a drip contrition that the king comes to understand what the word of God expects of him. And he gets to understand as to uh, what the Lord requires of his people. And he tears his clothes and he, 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 he mourns over his sin. And that's what I'm going to do today. Uh, my desire is that we, we, we go down into revival. But at, at the core, we are not just asking for experience. We are not asking ourselves just to have another experience. Actually, my appeal to us as the people of God is that we get back to God himself. That's what we want. We want the presence of God with us. And the God we are talking about is the holy God. Therefore, we need a clear biblical definition of what sin is. Therefore, as we find ourselves in the book of Second Chronicles, um, chapter chapter 34, you see to chapter 35, the reign of King Josiah. The story marks the last of the revivals during the period of the kings of Israel and Judah. Although they, uh, there had been a number of higher points, the story has been largely one of decline. You are, you, are, you are able to see that. You are able to see that even though God's people at some time experienced some level of spiritual revival or reformation, but we see largely there were declines spiritually, morally, and socially to the point where God allowed both of these kingdoms, actually the kingdom, the one in the north and the one in the south, Judah and Israel, God actually will allow them to be destroyed. And as we have found on the other occasions, devotion to God rises in the lives of God's people, rises and it falls. And that's, that's how we are prone to. We, we are prone to uh, have the times in the church of Jesus Christ. We can even recount in church history. And I'm going to, to start with that tomorrow. As we are going to see in church history, there were times when the church of Jesus Christ experienced a great move of God, but there was a decline. And there has been, and there, there will be times when we see somewhat... Um, uh, 
a somewhat resurgence of what we may see as uh, winds or uh, rains of revivals in the land, whether it be in Africa and Europe or upon Asia as, 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 as a people of God. But what we see is there's they, they, very little steady growth. Not only can individuals grow cold so that a new surge of revival is needed within a generation, but we also see when one generation experiences revival, the next generation cannot live long, living on the spiritual experience of the past generation or taking credit on the accounts of what uh, the previous generation had lived on. I mean, we, we, we have the history, yes, we, we have great um, traditions passed on to us, but it does not take long. Uh, it, it actually necessitates that each generation needs to experience the deep things of God for itself. And this is what where we come to, even as we are faced with this COVID pandemic, as we are faced with this pandemic, I realize even as a church of Jesus Christ that we need uh, the Lord to uh, have us, uh, that we would see Him reviving His church as we've been fasted with false prophets. As we are faced with um, what philosophies, uh, human secularism, as we are faced with um, uh, uh, philosophies that, that, that tend to redefine what sin is, as we are faced with uh, ideas in the world that are trying to undermine the church of Jesus Christ, it calls us to ask and to plead with the Lord to revive us again. But as we read the story and found in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 34, I'll just read a few verses, then uh, we are going to move in and up uh, as to what this passage, chapter 34, 35, gives to us. But you see this remarkable account introduced to us in these seven verses. The Bible says, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and he walked in the ways of David his father and he did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left that's commendable for in the eighth year of his reign while he was yet a boy he'll be 16 years old by this time he began to seek the God of David his father and in the 20th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherim and the carved and the metal images. He begins this act of uh, re reformations. He begins to purge the land of all the evils that were in there. And here is what the Bible says in verse 4. They, they chopped down the altars of bars in the presence of and he cut down the incense altars and they stood up that stood above them and he broke in pieces the asherim and the carved and the metal images and he made dust of them and scattered it over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them what else does he do he also burned the bones of the priests of their on, on their altars and cleansed judah and jerusalem and in cities of manasseh ephraim simeon and far as far as naphtali in, in their ruins all around he broke down the altars and beat the asherim and the images into powder and he cut down all the incense altars through all the land of israel then he returned to jerusalem 
Here's a young man passionate about what God desires of his people. Only 20 years old at this time, but he begins his reforms at the age of 16. Uh, this calls for uh, many of you, maybe who might be watching even now, or you're listening uh, via this podcast channel, as you hear this. If you're a young man, it is not too early to be passionate for the Lord Jesus Christ. What you see here, as you can see this young man, he comes to a place where he realizes that he has to do God's will. And anything that was in contention to the will of God, this young man desired and determined to take it off. As such, then, he is so determined that he comes and he takes away all this. But as you see, the story continues. He does all these reforms. It's not like he had read somewhere else. I'm sure that this young man, by the age of eight, he would only have heard as to what had happened in the past of men like Asa, of men like Hezekiah that we've looked at. Of men like Jehoshaphat that we have also examined in the past weeks. And as he comes and he makes and he carries out these reforms, it might be, I'm really convinced, even as the, the narrative continues, I'm really convinced that this young man did what he did because he heard of the zeal that his forefathers had on the Lord and for the Lord that he desired to live the same. But yet until... The law of God was found and was ready to him. Listen to what the Bible says from verse 8. You can read when you're, when you're by yourself. The priests are cleaning and they're cleansing the temple, the house of God. And as they're doing that, they're repairing the house of the Lord God Almighty. They came and the high priest, they found the book of the law. And when they found the book of the law, this man, as they were working, they found this book in the building. And they, they, they take this book, they don't keep it to themselves. And this is where the word of God is so key. Verse 14 says, While they were bringing out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given through Moses. And Hilkiah said, I have found the book. Yes. He found the book of the law of Moses. And you, 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 you see as to then what is going to happen from then on. And uh, brothers and sisters, I want you to see the importance of the word of God. Even when we talk about revival, when we talk about repentance, when we talk about awakening, when we talk about God working in the church of Jesus Christ, that we will see him at work in our lives, that we will see him transforming us. God will only transform us by his word. The centrality of the word of God, even in times such as this, you would expect that at a moment like this, when there's a spiritual decline, maybe you should see that maybe you would expect that God maybe should perform some miracles, signs and wonders so that maybe his people will return to him. No, God would always either raise a man who is going to speak and remind his people of his covenant faithfulness or the covenant requirements as they are written in the book of the law. That's what prophets would come and do. Or at this particular time, these people, they have the collection of the Pentateuch, the five books of Moses. Therefore, the only thing that is going to turn this nation of the remnant of God back to God was the scriptures themselves 
They found the book of the law given through Moses. Hezekiah answered and he said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hezekiah gave the book to Shaphan, and Shaphan brought the book to the king. You see, they, they pass this book on, and they, they have to tell the king about this. Then they bring the book to the king, and then the Shaphan, Shaphan, the secretary, told the king Hezekiah, the priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king and the response from the king so you you see there i want you to see there there, there is a recovery of the book but there's the reading of the book after the reading of the book then you have the repentance that is birthed by the book itself so the bible is recovered the word of god has been recovered but the word of god recovered has to be read the word of god that has been recovered has to be expounded the word of god that has been recovered has to be explained to god's people because god's people are built by god's word so if we want to see a nation turning to God. If we want to see churches of Jesus Christ, local churches, whatsoever they are, returning to Jesus Christ, we need the word of God and it has to be expounded and read. And the response, rightly so. The king understood the demands, the requirements, what God requires of his people. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. That is a sign of repentance, humility, brokenness, trembling at a voice of the word of God. The Bible says in Isaiah 66 verse 2, God will say at this heart, the kind of heart of Isaiah, the kind of heart of this man, Josiah, this is the heart the Lord will look, a heart that trembles at his voice. Exactly that. Because the word then expounds and explains as to what the people of God has done. The word of God explains as to what these men have done. Everything that seemed to be so nice and so good. But the word comes and shows forth the sin of the people. Verse 24. The Lord behold. Thus says the Lord behold. I'll bring disaster upon this place. There was already disaster by the way. The northern kingdom has, had already been captured by the Assyrians, which we are going to talk about later on when we are speaking about revival to the Gentiles uh, when it comes to Jonah being sent to the Assyrians. There was already a disaster and the Lord was not relenting. He said, I will bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants. All the curses that are written in this book that was read before the king of Judah, these curses that will be from the book of Deuteronomy as, as is respected, is required and it's written in the book of Moses. Why? What, the, what, are, what, what have the people done? Listen to verse 25. They have forsaken me. They have made offering to other gods they are, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place and it will not be quenched. But to Hezekiah, to, to Josiah, listen to this. So the king was really broken hearted. When he heard this word, the king was really broken hearted. And the king, the Lord would, would have kind words concerning the king to say, because your heart was tender. Love that. Your heart was tender. 
and you humbled yourself before God. When you heard these words against this place and its inhabitants, you have humbled yourself before me and you have torn your clothes. You have wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. Here is a wonderful account of revival, right? This is, this is a wonderful story uh, that is showing us some key major lessons about the, the nature of, 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 of what, the importance of the word of God. And we also see here uh, that when, when the word of God is read, God's people return to him. That's what we are seeing here. There is a beauty when people, God's people read the word of God for themselves. We see what happens when people cannot read for themselves. We see what happens when people cannot read the scriptures for themselves and when the scriptures are not readily available to people. When the word of God is taken away from the people, the people's lives will be in a mess. But for us to see a change, if we want to see a change, it, it will not only take us crying out before the Lord, it will take us to present God's word to God's people. Where sin has been redefined, sin has to be seen in view of God. That every sin deserves the wrath of a holy God. As you see in verse 20, 25, God is saying, therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place and it will not be quenched. Why? Because you have forsaken me. You have offered, you have made offerings to other gods. Brothers and sisters, what we are seeing in our land, we see a redefinition of sin. There are a number of things that we have redefined. Sexual immorality is now called sexual orientation. Fornication is, if you, if you are fornicating, as long as you are using a condom, uh, then it's called self-sex. Self the killing and the murders against the unborn babies is called the self-abortion. As long as you use pills and we have legalized that in our land. And for some reason we are okay with sin. We, 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 we seem to, our thinking about sin, those are like the, the sins that we have welcomed in our land. But we, we have lying, uh, we, have, uh, we have bribes, and we have uh, greedy men uh, leading and, and taking charge of, of official, official uh, positions. But we are okay with that. We are okay with that. As long as uh, they are not found out. As long as it's their time. As long as we, 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 we blame it on our history. We blame it on colonialism. We blame it on apartheid. We blame it on anything else. As long as we justify ourselves. But what I want us to see here. The witness of this story. As you see this story of Ezekiah. Even as I said earlier on. What you think of sin will tell me what you think of God. If you're thinking of sin and you look at sin just as uh, a mere mistake or just a function or just a misfortune, if you look at sin with just a trifle, uh, something that you can just work with and you can flirt with it, it's okay, unless or uh, as long as you are not found out. Then if that's our idea of sin, then we've missed the biblical understanding of sin. 
because what you think of sin tells us as what you think of God what you think of Jesus Christ what you think as a Christian of the Holy Spirit what you think of the divine law of God what you think of the the blessed gospel that Jesus Christ had to die on the cross for sin and you what, what you think of all necessary truth it shows it, it actually reveals in the way that you view sin because he who looks upon sin merely as fiction or as as a divine law uh, or as, as a misfortune or uh, he who looks at sin as just as, uh, as something that's you know it's just a simple mistake such a man or a woman sees no necessity for repentance if your view of sin you, you it is it, it, just another mistake that you can fix then you don't see the need for the great atonement and the reality of that is that a man who, who does not see in sin himself, if you don't see sin in yourself, if you, don't, if you don't see the sin in yourself, you have no feeling for a savior. You have no need for the savior. You have no conscience. You're conscious against the evil and against the evil works. Is actually numb. But know this, that every sin is committed against an infinite God. God is our maker. He is the father. He is the governor. He is the judge. He is the glorious uh, God who is glorious in holiness. He is the one who is fearful in praises. He is the one who, who does wonders. And he is the one who cannot be bribed. He is the God we call the best of all friends, the greatest of all beings, the most bountiful of all benefactors. He it is the one who, who says he's the father of mercies. He is the one who is rich in mercy. But what we see, every sin, if it had its way, it wants to dethrone this almighty God. It wants to dethrone him. It wants to rebel against him. It wants to... Uh, to, to to, to, to speak against him. It was to come and to, dis, to dethrone him so that it will take charge against this holy God. And I want us to look at what the Bible describes this sin. Because if we can look at what the Bible says, then we'll have a clear view of a biblical view of sin. The Bible gives it and those who practice it different names. The Bible calls sin disobedience, transgression, iniquity, foolishness, madness, rebellion, evil, evil fruits, uncleanliness, filthiness, pollution, perverseness, an abomination, a cursed thing. In like manner, what do we find? The deeds of wickedness that are called evil works. The deeds, of, the deeds of, of sinfulness are called works of darkness. The deeds of evil that we do, uh, the, the deeds of sin are called dead works. Works of the flesh because we're trying to fulfill the desires of our hearts and our lives. And the men who are involved in sin, they are called sinners, unjust, unholy, and righteous, filthy, evil men, evil doers. Those are the description of what the Bible gives us concerning sin. Seducers, despisers, children of darkness, children of the devil. 
children of hell, corruptors, idol worshippers, enemies of God, enemies of all righteousness, adversaries of God, liars, deceivers. So that, that's what that's what the Bible describes sin to be. And John Chrysostom would not say it right uh, when he, 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 he says of sin, there is in human affairs nothing that is truly terrific but sin. In all things else, in poverty, in sickness, in disgrace, in death, which is held to be the greatest of all evils, there is nothing that is really dreadful. With the wise man they all are empty names. But to offend God, to do what he disapproves, this is a real evil. John Chrysostom will say, end of the quote. So therefore, brothers and sisters, I want you to know this. As we sit here and as you see this nation of Israel, as God is about to pour out the judgment and the wrath upon them, he is so clear to show them that I'm going to pour out the disasters among them verse 24 thus says the lord i'll bring disaster upon this place and upon its inhabitants all the curses that are written in the book that was read before the king because they have forsaken me and it is it, it goes without say that sin is the source of all our miseries sin is the source of all our unrighteousness the wretchedness are its fruits there is no distress in our lives no distress in our minds there is no anguish of the heart, no pain of the body that is not because of sin. Sin is the result of even what we are facing now. That God, yes, is sovereignly at, 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 on his throne. He's reigning on his throne. But we know this, that the cause of all the miseries that we are facing is sin. As such, we are waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which sin does not dwell. Therefore, it is because of this sin that Jesus Christ came then. He died a death that you and I did not deserve. So as we look at the, the biblical definition of sin, I want you to see here that it, it is then appropriate. It is right for us. If this is what sin is, the right response that we need to, as we, we hear the word of God read and explained to us, the right response is this one of King Josiah. In verse 19, we tear, we, it, it's, it's the tearing up, not just of our clothes. Joel will tell us, don't just tore your garments. No, it's not what God is asking for. Because what we see in the Bible, if you want to, to, to know very well as to what sin is, you can take a pen and I'll, I'll mention these verses in the next three minutes, then we're done. Sin is likened to the scum of seething pot in which is detestable carcass. In Ezekiel 24 verse 12, like there is, there, there is a dead animal in there. Uh, in Ezekiel 24 12, sin is likened to a scum of a seething pot with detestable carcass. In Ezekiel, same book of Ezekiel 16 verse 6 and verse, verse 4 and 6, Sin is likened to the blood and pollution of a newborn child before it is washed and clothed. In Romans 7 verse 24, sin is, 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 is likened to a dead and a rotting body. Paul said, wretched man that I am. 
in Romans 3 verse 13, sin is likened to, to noisome stench and poisonous fumes that he issues from the mouth of an open sepulcher. In other words, the grave that, it, that has dead bodies in it. Sin is likened to those dead bodies that there is no life in it. It's all ugly. It's nasty. It's filthy. John 8 44, sin is likened to the lust of the devil. Isaiah 1 verse 5 to verse 6, sin is likened to petrifying souls, wounds on the body of one who has leprosy. Not only Isaiah 1 verse 5 and 6, but when you look at Isaiah chapter 3 uh, verse 22 and Lamentations chapter 1 verse 17, Isaiah 3 22, sin is likened to a menstrual cloth. Or the last one, which is nasty. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 22. Sin is likened to vomit of dogs. And sinners are dogs who wallow in it. Or like we see in Philippians 3 verse 8. Sin is likened to, to dung. That's what sin is, brothers and sisters. Therefore, as we hear these descriptions from the scriptures as to what sin is. As we hear these descriptions uh, in the Bible, it is then prudent and it is right for us that we then return to the Lord. Josiah tore his clothes, but listen to this call that the Lord makes in the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 12. Yet now, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him a grain offering and a drink offering for the lord your god hear what the lord is saying here rend your hearts not your garments what you see in josiah josiah had to rend his garments in other words he tore his garments to show the significance of what happened in his heart and that's exactly what the lord is calling us in this verse so then understand the nature and the character of our god that his wrath bends and his wrath is against him we need them to understand that the Lord has offered for us a propitiation, a substitute, Jesus Christ. It is Him who has appeased the wrath of a holy God. It is through whom that we come. It is through whom that we find this, even everything we are saying here. Our return to God. We cannot return in and of our own good works. We return in the finished works of Christ on the cross. But brothers, we need to understand the nature and the gravity of sin. It, is, it was because of sin that the Son of God was crucified. That's how serious God is with sin. He looks at sin with complete hatred. He had to punish sin because he's a just God. Two things. God will either punish sin in you or he will punish it in his son. So therefore, you and me are called upon to believe in His Son. 
If we do that, then all is done. Because if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and, and, and believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. In other words, that God accepted and received that, 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 that sacrifice, that it was acceptable. It was pleasing to him and he raised his son Jesus from the grave. When we do that, the Bible says we shall be saved. So therefore we return to him in our returning we're returning because he has made a way for us. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. There is only one God. In one mediator. Between God and man. And that man is Jesus. Our theme for this podcast. Reconciled. For God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses. But he made him who knew no sin. To become sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. So may the Lord bless you, even as we, we finish today with the biblical Old Testament accounts of revival. But let's ask the Lord to be with us even in this day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we honor you for your mercy and for your grace. And we ask that you be with us. We ask that you guide and you lead us in the paths of righteousness, that your name will be glorified in our lives, that you will allow us by your Holy Spirit to look seen as it is, not to flirt with sin, not to, uh, to, to find fun in sin, but to look at sin as you see it with perfect hatred that your name and your renown shall be uplifted and glorified. It is in the glorious name of Jesus we ask and we pray this. Amen. May the Lord God bless you. Until next time, if Christ tarries, see you. God bless you. Bye.